chapter 21, verse 15, and we'll be looking at verses 15 through 25 uh, here this morning. So Acts chapter uh, 21, verses 15 through 25, as we continue here in the Word of God. It's, it's now about, at this point, 58 A.D., and Paul has been... Uh, on the mission field close to 15 years. He spent about 15 years uh, away on three different missionary journeys. Um, and the church had changed a lot uh, in that particular time, uh, with much of that change being the result uh, of the work of the Apostle Paul. However, the church in Jerusalem hadn't changed as much. And so, Now Paul is back in Jerusalem, and we can learn, and we're going to learn, I think, a lot here from how he lovingly and humbly and wisely approached the leaders and the people uh, of the church there. And so there's a lot in these verses, so let's get into how Paul meets with the elders uh, in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 21 Once again, verse 15 says this, And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. So having spent, as we saw previously, uh, some time in Caesarea when Paul landed back uh, in Israel, he spent some time in Caesarea uh, with Philip and the other believers. And then he makes the journey from Caesarea. It's about 65 miles from Caesarea uh, up to Jerusalem. He makes that journey uh, up to Jerusalem there. And when he arrives, it says this, some of the disciples uh, from Caesarea went with us. And he's going to arrive in Jerusalem and the brethren are going to receive him. And so it says in verse 16, uh, mentions a few of the people that uh, went up with Paul, accompanied him from Caesarea, Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple uh, with whom he was going to lodge. And Nason's mentioned because Paul, uh, he was from Cyprus. He now lived in Jerusalem. And Paul, he was going to host Paul uh, while he was in Jerusalem. And so it's interesting. Nason, the M is silent. Um, I just always think about things like that. That had to be fun. You know, uh, think of the man hours over a lifetime, parents, before you name your children. Just, you know, stop and consider it. You know, Mason, no. Jason, no. Nason, the M is, M is silent, and uh, you know how many I, how many millions of times in a lifetime did he have to have that conversation? But uh, we'll say it right here, uh, Nason, maybe maybe a little M sound in there, but Nason. So uh, you know uh, I don't know what is that a schwa or I'm looking at the right uh, English terminology for that uh, sound. But uh, anyway, he's the guy that's going to host. Uh, Paul there in Jerusalem. So they travel together. He gets to Jerusalem. The brethren received us gladly, verse 17. Uh, and um, so Paul arrives. And, and I will say this. Um, we'll talk more about this later. But traditionally at this point, it's believed that Paul's missionary journeys are over. So most people, when they talk about Paul's missionary journeys, they'll, they'll talk about his three missionary journeys, and obviously those are over here. He's going to be in custody uh, after this, uh, and uh, we'll see the events that lead up to that. Uh, he's going to travel in, uh, to Rome, but, but that's not really a missionary journey, uh, though he will be certainly ministering. Now, if you look in the other epistles, there are things discussed in those epistles 
that uh, aren't covered in the book of Acts or aren't part of those first three missionary journeys. So it's quite commonly believed now that there was, after Rome, a fourth missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, that he would have ultimately been released, um, that he perhaps went as far as uh, Spain. Uh, there is mention uh, of that. And, and so uh, he probably was released and rearrested later, ultimately being executed. So we'll talk more about that when we get to the end of the book of Acts. Um, we'll talk about, you know, so after Acts, uh, what happened um, with the Apostle Paul. But uh, uh, you should know that it's likely, based on what we see in Scripture, uh, likely that there was a, a fourth missionary journey. Now in verse 18, it says, uh, so he arrives in Jerusalem, and then on the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders. Uh, they were all present. So Paul goes now, uh, first thing, very first thing, he goes and he, he meets with the elders uh, of the church. James mentioned here is, um, is not the brother of John, uh, that's the, the, uh, one of a couple of other James. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the Jameses um, here a little bit. But um, there was James and John. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Um, not because they were wrestlers, uh, but because they, uh, they were a lot. Uh, and which is really interesting because they were the guys that wanted to call fire down from heaven, right, when the Samaritans um, wouldn't uh, receive Jesus. And yet then you have John writing, um, you know, uh, not only his gospel and revelation, but three epistles. Um, and, you know, First John, uh, in this is love, his great treatise uh, there on love. So fascinating how the Lord changed them. But this is James who arguably had as great a change because he didn't even become a believer in, in his brother, Jesus, until after his resurrection. So the brothers of, uh, of Jesus, James, Jude, um, you know, they, they, they didn't believe in Jesus until after they saw him resurrected. And James, the brother of Jesus, became the leader uh, of the church there in Jerusalem. So that is the James uh, we see here and uh, the leader of the church. And so uh, at the council of Jerusalem, by the way, back in, in uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 4, Paul met with um, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem and we're told that all the apostles were present at that meeting, which was very early on in, in um, the ministry of the apostle Paul. And that was the church council of Jerusalem because those first converts in Antioch in Syria, uh, they wanted to turn them, force them to be Jews first. So to be circumcised and to have to keep the law and have to keep the feasts and, all, and, and some of these other things, but particularly circumcision. And so they had this council in Jerusalem uh, in which they had to decide, you know, what, uh, with the leading of the Spirit, what sort of things is God expecting uh, looking for in Gentile converts, not to Judaism, but, but now uh, to Christ and to Christianity. And so when Paul comes together uh, with Barnabas 
and the church to address that at its hub, at its root, which was there in Jerusalem. The, the elders are there, but the apostles are there. And now it's interesting here that he only meets with the elders because presumably all of the apostles now 15 years later are gone. What did Jesus tell them? Let's remind ourselves in Matthew chapter 28 there, verses 19 and 20. Uh, you know it as the great suggestion, right? Uh, it, the great commission. Jesus didn't suggest that they go into all the world and preach the gospel, but he said, go therefore, Matthew 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so they went out to the apostles. They're, it's interesting, they're not here anymore because they went out to make disciples. And that's, that's our mission as a church. You could put it in two words. Make disciples. That's it. I remember when we were starting out, the, this church began in uh, 2002. And back in 2002, it was very big for churches, and maybe it still is, I just haven't paid attention, but uh, it was very big for churches to kind of emulate corporations, to have a mission statement. And uh, your mission, your vision, your values, I don't know, principle, I, I forget how it all works, but uh, because when I left corporate America, uh, I missed people, but I didn't miss corporate America. Uh, you know, I didn't even look in the rearview mirror. I was so excited to, uh, because, you know, uh, I worked in a, a, a big company that, I mean, it would take sometimes a year, years to get something done. And the thought of going and just being in the church and God says, do it and you do it and you, you're doing it was fantastic. That I didn't have to camp out outside of some lawyer's office uh, and, you know, wait. I had lawyers and I'd walk in and they'd have stacks and I'd say, did you get to that contract? Or this? Oh, that's in my 90-day pile. What? You have a 90-day pile. Who has a 90-day pile? Do you have a 90-day pile? I don't have a 90-day pile. I have a 90-minute pile, but no 90. And I was just so excited, you know, to get away from that. So when we came here, it was simple. Keep it simple. And our job is to make disciples, to preach the gospel, and then when people come to Christ, to train them up in the ways of the Lord, to teach them God's word, to minister to them, and to pour into them. And that's all that Jesus commanded uh, of the disciples, and, and they did it. Now, how did they do it? We have to rely a little bit, mostly on, on uh, early writings and tradition. But uh, in case you're curious about this, I, I'd like to share with you. A, so, so there were 12 apostles. Obviously, there was uh, Matthias, the replacement for Judas, and so there were 12 apostles, and um, so what did they do? Um, well, first of all, all of the apostles except for John were martyred. 
So all of them were killed uh, as they went out, ultimately killed as they went out and, and preached the gospel. But maybe you know your roots. And so as I describe some of these people uh, and maybe your family uh, roots, maybe uh, one or the other of these apostles went and ministered uh, to the people uh, that were your ancestors. But um, as I said, John, uh, he, he wasn't martyred. We'll, we'll talk about John in a minute. Uh, but uh, James, the brother of John, uh, who I mentioned a little bit ago, he was actually one of the very first martyrs. He was killed uh, by Herod in Jerusalem. You can uh, find that account there in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 2. Uh, Peter, tradition has it that he ultimately uh, went to Rome. Uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, went to Russia. Thomas, uh, sometimes referred to as uh, Doubting Thomas. Uh, he liked to call himself Realistic Thomas. Uh, but uh, Thomas went to India, um, Philip went to North Africa, Matthew went to Persia and Africa, Bartholomew went to India, Arabia and Africa, James the Less, another James, a third James, uh, some people say James the Less, um, if you've watched the, and this is an endorsement, but if you've watched the show The Chosen, um, they have him, uh, they call him short James. Um, probably not correct, young James. James the less, James the younger is probably the implication uh, of the, the way that he was uh, referred to. Uh, and so James the less, he went to Syria. Simon, uh, remember Simon the zealot, there were all kinds. Jesus had disciples who were tax collectors and then he had disciples who were zealots who were trying to kill the Romans um, you know, uh, guerrilla warfare uh, back in, in, in those days. Uh, some might even have called them terrorists. Uh, Simon the Zealot in his former life, he went to Persia. Matthias, the replacement for Judas. Um, there's that great scene in the book of Acts where they say, you know, um, that another needs to be, they, they quote the scripture where another needs to be selected uh, to take Judas's office. And so they cast lots. Um, there's Justice, the man Justice and, and Matthias and, uh, and Matthias is chosen. Now, I don't know if my kids remember this, but we used to have the book of Acts. My daughter's laughing. We used to have the book of Acts on VHS, but dramatized. It was awesome. It's kind of one of the first modern renditions of that. It had uh, Dean, can't think of his last name. He was the actor from Herbie, the love bug. He was, uh, in, he, he, he was the main, I think he was... Uh, I don't remember. He was one of the main characters. I can't remember. But, uh, but anyway, Dean Jones. And um, see, why can't I remember other things like that? <laughs> Dean Jones comes up, but then, you know, like things that really I need to remember. Why can't I, you know? So anyway, Dean Jones, and uh, it's fantastic. Anyway, uh, uh, they probably have, you know, digitize this by now but uh but there's this great scene in there where they're uh choosing judas's replacement 
And they've got justice, and they've got Matthias, and they're casting lots, and, and Matthias is chosen, and justice, he's the loser, right? And everybody pats him on the back. It's okay. It's okay. It's all, that's always stuck in my mind, you know, how they, I'm sure it probably wasn't exactly like that, but, but maybe so. And, and so, you know, Matthias was Judas's replacement. He, he went to Syria. John um, ultimately uh, ministers in Ephesus and, uh, and goes to Turkey. He had, you know, they tried, Nero tried to kill John, dipped him in boiling oil. When he wouldn't die, he was um, exiled to the island of Patmos, um, and where he wrote the, the Revelation. Uh, and then ultimately, he is released. I think it was Nerva, the emperor Nerva, that released John. Uh, and he dies, according to tradition, about the age of 100 years old while ministering, pastoring there in Ephesus. Now, if you're really up on your disciple Bible trivia, then you know there's one I haven't mentioned yet. Anybody know? Nope. Uh, Thaddeus. Matthew, I mentioned, went to Persia and Africa, but Thaddeus, and it's reasonable why you wouldn't know that. By the way, if you knew that, uh, we are going to be good teammates for any trivial pursuit game i want to be on your team uh but thaddeus went to hawaii and uh i'm kidding he didn't uh but uh uh you could say well somebody had to go right uh thaddeus went to hawaii uh you know one of the early uh guys to cross the pacific and the rest of the world uh but uh, actually thaddeus went to mesopotamia according to tradition so it's fascinating you know you read about these guys in the bible and you think well, what happened to them where did they go literally everywhere in in the world and even to the edge of what was civilization in those days because jesus told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so what did they do that's what they did. And you know what? We're kind of the future generation, and we have the same opportunity. And so I'm thankful that Nathaniel was here today to share with you a little bit, you know, um, going back to some of those places that, that they actually uh, went, but now, you know, are primarily uh, Roman Catholic. And, and there isn't a lot of teaching of the Bible. There isn't a lot of the preaching of the gospel. There isn't a lot of people being saved and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're excited to be able to partner with people uh, who are taking the gospel all over the world. And uh, Nathaniel in Montebelluna, Italy, and, uh, and uh, our, our missionaries in India, and, um, and in Nepal, and our, friends, uh, our friend Will in Barcelona, Spain, and and Stephen in um, in Kenya, uh, in in Africa, Pastor Stephen and, and who's been here before and, and shared with you guys and so many others uh, around the world uh, ministering. Wes Bentley, who's been here, and for our pastor, uh, we call him um, uh, Benjamin in Syria. We can't use his real name. And for our chaplain in uh, South Sudan, Jacob, uh, you know, so, so, so many uh, uh, people all going into all the world and, and able to do that um, 
because they have the, the church, in part this church, uh, and you as individuals uh, behind them fulfilling the great commission. So verse 19, he comes back, elders but no apostles, they're out doing what Jesus called them to do. And verse 19, when he had greeted them, he told them in detail those things which, in detail, those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. There's a few things you see in the Bible and you say, I would have liked to have been invited to that. For the debrief of the missionary journeys from the Apostle Paul. Yeah, I would like to pull up a chair or, uh, this is pre-chair, so a cushion, I guess you would say, you know, and some, uh, grab myself a little falafel, uh, some pita and some hummus and light a candle and listen to that conversation uh, about the missionary journeys in detail from the Apostle Paul. The people who were saved as far away as Europe, the churches that were started and how they grew from his first visit to his second visit and the miracles that God works. It says that he told them, as I said, in detail, just outlining these things. And that must have been an amazing time. Who doesn't love to hear? I could just listen for hours at, 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 and, and look at pictures and, and hear about the things that, that God is doing. So exciting to just see the work. I, uh, that's the thing that excites me the most. People say, what do you love about ministry? Is it the paperwork? And I say, oh, yeah. But next to that, <laughs> after that, <laughs> is it the building maintenance? Oh, yes. But after that, you know, I love to hear about what God is doing. Just to see the work of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, and 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 just and right now I'm I'm privileged just to be able to see. God, we're on the edge, I think, of God doing some amazing things in our day, not just in our church, but but in the church as a whole. And my wife and I were just talking about this morning. Look, I love the history of uh, particularly uh, like the Jesus movement and Calvary Chapel. I could, I could talk about that all day and, and hear about that all day, but that's not what excites me the most. It's exciting, it's interesting, but that's in the past, and that needs to be remembered, and that needs to be built on, but I'm interested in what God is doing now, today, and I can tell you um, that I believe that the Lord is, is poised to, to do great things. And so Paul comes back and, and, and just lays this whole story and verse 20 when they heard it they glorified the lord that's how you know your story's good you know because people don't glorify men but people give glory where glory is due and they glorify god and they said to him you see brother how many myriads of jews there are who have believed and they are all zealous for the law so They glorify God. This is what's going on on the mission field to the present situation. You have a lot of believers here now, and a lot of them are still very zealous for the law. They're Jews who are very naturally Jewish. Verse 21, here's the problem. But they have been informed about you 
I hate that, that sentence. But they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. So despite everything that God had done, all people heard was this criticism of Paul that was untrue. They have been informed about you. Verse 22, what then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear you have come. So people have heard about you. They will hear that you have come. And so they're going to, no doubt, want to meet. And they're going to have some questions. And so the elders had a solution. Now, think about this for a moment. There's very clearly two different opinions. There is the opinion of the elders who glorify God, who say, clearly God has worked, and they're giving God the glory, but they recognize that there is a a not-so-small group of people that have heard some negative, untrue things about the Apostle Paul who also have an opinion. So there's very clearly these two groups, and the elders are not part of that group. They had the sense, the ability, the discernment to be able to see the truth. So the question is, first of all, why do some people choose to see the truth and other people choose to believe a lie? Well, we could probably spend a lot of time and and uh, answering that question. There's a a variety of reasons. But I think a more important follow-up question is this. Which are you? Which will you choose to be? Will you choose to be somebody who is in the Scriptures and who is in prayer and seeking God, who who has discernment, who can tell the difference between when God is working and can understand when there is a, a just concern and when something is is just untrue criticism or even legalism. And the elders could. The church had a strong leadership, but there were no doubt some younger people that were struggling with that transition, not younger in age, but younger in the Lord, who were struggling with that transition out of Judaism, and not that they were ever really going to leave Judaism, but embracing the fulfillment of their scriptures and Christianity and Jesus as their Messiah. And for many, in fact, the closer you got to Jerusalem, the greater that struggle was. But everywhere Paul went, we've seen, everywhere Paul went when he encountered Jews, the struggle was great and the battle was great and often it was fiercest amongst the Jews his own, you know, uh, people, so to speak, his roots, his origin. And so they have a solution, the elders did. They said, do what we tell you, verse 23. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you, concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. 
So the solution was for Paul to join four men who had taken a vow, probably a Nazarite vow, which for most people was a temporary vow. For some people it was lifelong. Samson was uh, Samuel, the prophet. Um, These were men who were Nazarites their entire life from uh, the womb. Uh, um, But uh, John the Baptist was a a third. Um, But for most people, it was a a period of time. You took the vow, you fulfilled the vow, and it ended in the temple uh, with offerings, uh, cutting off your hair, uh, offering that as well. Uh, And so Paul would complete the process uh, with these uh, four men in the temple, and he would pay for their expenses. And so the idea is, is that people will see that, well, the hope was that people will see, no, Paul's a Christian, but he's still a Jew. He hasn't abandoned his, his uh, Jewish roots. Now, some people look at this and they uh, criticize the Apostle Paul. First of all, really, you're going to criticize the Apostle Paul. <laughs> okay, like, you have to think pretty highly of yourself to, <laughs> to criticize the Apostle Paul. But okay, some people criticize the, the, the Apostle Paul. And they say that he went too far and he compromised uh, what he had preached by, by doing this. Um, I couldn't disagree more. While Paul preached uh, salvation in Jesus Christ alone by grace through faith, he never ceased being a Jew. He was always still a Jew. We don't see Paul anywhere you know, saying, well, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Christian now, but I'm not a Jew anymore. When you became a Christian, you were still a Jew. It wasn't like this or that. If you you weren't going to still follow the aberrant traditions of Phariseeism and things of that nature, that is true. But, But the Jewish faith was pure and Christianity, the Messiah, was the fulfillment of the Jewish promises. So why would you cease being a Jew? You know, you can continue on. Uh... And he never had any illusion, nor should any Jew ever have had the illusion that salvation was according to the law. They were always to be by by faith looking forward to the Messiah. And so uh, we see him taking a vow. In fact, Paul, near the end uh, of his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 18, verse 18, a Jewish vow. So this wasn't something new. This wasn't something like that the elders said this, and so Paul says, yeah, you're right, I better do that. It was a good idea. He said, yeah, you're right, that, that is a good idea. And so that's the point here. He, he was still a Jew. This was perfectly natural for Paul. And Paul also had adopted an evangelistic approach uh, of becoming all things to all men to win all if possible. And so he doesn't say, no, I'm not going to do that. Where is he? He's at the epicenter of Judaism. Who is he? He's a Jew. So he's preaching the gospel. I've got an in. I'm a Jew in, you know, the heart. Um, you know, people would say Mecca, but that came uh, much later, right? You know, 600 years later and uh, after the fact. Jerusalem was, was the heart. So, of course, he's going to lean on some of his Jewish tradition and, and his roots. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
uh, there, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Paul says this. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, the moral law, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak. To, uh, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. There's the philosophy of ministry of the Apostle Paul, at least in this regard. I will, within Scripture and within reason, be all things to all men so that I can have an opportunity to win them to Christ. I will sacrifice any of my preferences as how things should be and as how I would like to live in that given moment so that people can be saved. Obviously from a moral standpoint. And the same should be said of us. You know, not, not we are known for the, our idiosyncrasies in the way that we like things such that we're never willing to change those when we're with a different group of people. I love the story, if you've ever read anything about Hudson Taylor, who was uh, a missionary to the Chinese. Hudson Taylor was, uh, basically became a, 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 a white man living fully under Chinese customs. If you, if you read the different books about him, fully adopting Chinese manner of living and dress and everything that he ate and, of course, language and speech. He immersed himself in their culture. Not being the outsider, he was that enough. But, but uh, so, you know, truly embracing the, the philosophy uh, that the Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul. And so here, naturally, Paul does that. He says, yeah, sure, I... Uh, I could do that. He didn't come to, to make a point. He didn't come to divide Jewish and Gentile believers, but, but to unite them in one church and, and, and in sharing the gospel and what God had done. And so, in fact, at this point in time, Paul was bringing an offering of support from the Gentile churches to the Jewish believers. So, He's coming not to divide them, but to minister to them, to minister to Jews from the Gentiles. Because if you read in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 8, um, and, and also later on in the book of Acts, chapter 24, verse 17, he's bringing this gift, these offerings, because they were struggling in Jerusalem. There had been a famine, and no doubt uh, also many of them had lost ha- had lost. Um, the ability, in a lot of cases, because they had become Christians, they would have been ostracized, lost the ability to make income, or been, or, or been shunned uh, by their families, and, and, and so they were struggling, and Paul was coming with the love of the Gentile believers and their material resources to minister to the, ch- to the church in Jerusalem. That's, that's what he's coming there to do. He's like, of course. And so there's great humility, there's great submission, there's great wisdom and great love in Paul, in the heart of the Apostle Paul, uh, agreeing to this. And this was an act of 
respecting Jewish customs, but not saying anyone, Jew or Gentile, was saved through the law. Verse 25, they continue on, the elders, but concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, uh, except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. So they didn't need to keep Jewish customs, Gentiles, uh, that is. Um, they just reiterate their earlier decision from that same council that I mentioned in Acts chapter 15, uh, where, they were deci- where they already decided what, what was proper for Gentiles uh, who come to faith in Christ. And all of, you can go back and listen to that message, everything that they uh, passed on to them was a matter of morality, not a matter of, of, of ceremonial law that God had given um, to the Jews uniquely. And so Paul had been used um, by God's grace greater than perhaps uh, all of the other apostles and elders combined. I don't think that that's a, a hyperbole or anything to say that, that, that by God's grace, Paul was used perhaps greater than, than all of the elders and all of the apostles even that we talked about today uh, combined. Um, and, and, you know, each of them, as we've talked about, were used mightily uh, in their own right. Yet, Paul doesn't return to Jerusalem as though that were the case. He doesn't come back and say, well, now, hey, wait a minute. Do you know what I've done? I just told you what I did. He doesn't doesn't do any of that. He humbles himself. And he yields to their direction. And and he was working in in love to, to bring the Jewish and Gentile arms of the church together. And so, as I look at this, I, I feel like we can learn a lot. We have a lot to learn from the love, from the humility, from the wisdom uh, of the Apostle Paul and the Spirit working through him. Let's close with prayer. Father, we thank you so much. It's exciting to look at your word and to see how it has led to where we are today and to see where we are going and to imagine what you are doing and going to do in the process it's exciting lord we love you we love your word we love your servants we love the world that doesn't know you yet and as we bow our heads in prayer, our hearts in prayer here this morning, I want to extend an invitation to you right here, right now. If you've come in here this morning, you know a little something maybe about the Bible or maybe very little or maybe a lot. But if you've come in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have to leave that way. If you've come in here today and you don't know where you're going to go when you die, you don't know if you'll be in heaven or if you'll be in hell. You're just hoping things will work out all right, but you're not sure. The Bible says that you can know. And the Bible makes it clear how you can know. 
You can be saved by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's why he came. He died on the cross for you. He bore your sin. And that was the message that Paul preached everywhere he went. That was the message that people responded to, and that's the same message that people respond to today because men have the same needs. We're all sinners. We're all desperately in need of the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood to deliver us from ourselves and from our sin. And if you've come here this morning and you haven't done that, you can. And God doesn't make it complicated. He's waiting for you waiting to receive you. The Bible says all you have to do is confess. Believe it in your heart and confess. Believe, place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Repent of your sin and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, Paul said in Romans. So have you done that? And if you haven't, would you like to? If you would, I'd love to pray with you this morning. I just invite you to raise your hand where you're sitting and we'll pray together as we finish up here this morning. And God will hear your prayer. It's not a prayer off into the silence, but God is waiting to answer, yes, I will receive you. I will make you mine. All you have to do is ask. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you so much for your love for us, Father, for sending your Son. We thank you for loving us and teaching us how to walk in your word and how to draw near to you. We pray that you would just continue to guide us and lead us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.